As a practicing anesthesiologist with an entrepreneurial passion to help improve the healthcare industry through innovative technology, our next guest has made it his mission to help ease the administrative burden for his profession that has plagued his colleagues for far too long. Dr. Michael Bronson, CEO of AnesthesiaGo, joins us to discuss the arduous and time-consuming process for scheduling anesthesiologists and why his technology is freeing human capacity and potential so anesthesiologists and their practices can get back to what they do best, taking care of patients. Join us for this inspiring conversation with a frontline healthcare provider turned tech entrepreneur as we continue to work together to move the healthcare industry forward. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Bronson, welcome to our podcast. I'm grateful to spend some time with you today. Hi, Mike. Definitely happy to be here. Well, given your expertise as a board-certified anesthesiologist and your passion to build technology that helps your peers save time, avoid errors, and put their data to good use, I'm fired up for this conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Mike, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the Anesthesia Go team are at the forefront of anesthesia daily scheduling automation. But first, I'm going to randomly select a question so we can get to know you personally. Let's see what comes up. Uh, One of my favorite topics. We're talking food. What is your favorite meal and why? There's nothing wrong with talking food. I'm a big foodie myself. What's yours? So I love this question. Uh, and I actually have one of these today. A breakfast burrito is my go-to food item. And I Any will have time that, of the day? Any time of the day. I had one for breakfast. I was on call last night. And my tradition is as I leave the hospital, I get a coffee and a breakfast burrito. And I have not ruled that out for dinner as well tonight. And luckily, my family are also big fans. There's some genetic components, I'm sure, in there. My son's last birthday party, we let them choose where they want to go eat. And his only request was that he gets a breakfast burrito on his birthday. It goes through the family. We love breakfast burritos over here. We're in Southern California. A lot of good options. We tend to rotate our dining around to experience all that we have to offer down here. You were the first breakfast burrito on the podcast, my friend. I'm surprised. People are missing out. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I'm a big breakfast burrito my fan as well. Do you like it spicy? Do you spice it up? What's a good breakfast burrito for you? Maybe a unique part of it. Yeah. So I go spice for sure. And I had them put some jalapenos in it this morning. But if I go to the restaurant and not, I don't really care for them in the restaurant as much as like more of a taco stand, what we call hole in the wall type Mexican food places. But you got to get that red sauce that they hand out with the breakfast burritos. And so I put that on every bite, I think. I love a good, authentic carniceria here in Denver. Grab some good, authentic meat from there. Make breakfast burrito myself. I actually like getting on like a wood fire smoker. I have a Traeger. 
cook some meat in the morning and fire up some breakfast burritos. I, I'm right there with you, Mike. There's nothing better than a good breakfast burrito. You're a good man. <laughs> I knew I liked you. Already, we're off to a good start on the podcast. First time I've ever talked breakfast burritos on it. So thank you for that. And I'm looking forward to discussing your journey and mission in building Anesthesia Go after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side-by-side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. We are back with Dr. Michael Bronson, CEO of Anesthesia Go. Mike, thank you so much for joining up today. I know how busy you are, not only a practicing provider down in Southern California, but also building this incredible company, a much needed one. This is a big, big need in the marketplace. I've been there. I've seen it. I've done that. I've been able to work alongside anesthesiologists in my previous life in the medical device industry. I have seen this problem. But go ahead and give us a little bit of that journey, though, in the first place. There you are, practicing anesthesiologist. When did the aha moment go off? When were you like, oh my gosh, we have to build this? Did you look around in the marketplace? There wasn't anything there. Give us a little bit of that founder's journey. Then we're going to talk a little current state, where you guys are at, where the successes are in the marketplace, where you see things heading, how we can help you out, and then of course, how we can get a hold of you. But first, give us a little bit of that journey. How did it all come to be? I took a really traditional route to get to where I am today in that undergrad to medical school, to residency, to private practice. And you know, my main focus in every step of the journey was to excel in that current phase and kind of set myself up for success following each phase of that journey. And the thing is, I got to private practice and there was no obvious next step. So there was no place to put my efforts to. I always wanted to learn more. But at that point, I took a step back and decided to make sure I had the foundations of being an anesthesiologist down first. And it's one of those fields where if you get complacent, some very, very bad things can happen. So I took the first two years of private practice and just focused on being the best anesthesiologist I could be. And that's carried me well so far up to my point now. But after about two years, I started to get comfortable and I started to take on other leadership responsibilities. And I started to be mentored by some of my partners who were brilliant business people, had great leadership qualities, and they kind of took me under their wings and helped kind of mold me into who I am today. And so I started to join various committees within my group, various committees within the hospital, and started to kind of form my own mini MBA program. Now, doing an MBA wasn't always the plan. And to me, it was something if I did it, it would just be for a certificate because I really didn't envision myself doing anything other than being an anesthesiologist. But I definitely wanted to learn the knowledge, learn the skills of what the people are being taught in the business schools today. I looked up online self-directed MBA programs. And so I started to purchase a lot of different textbooks and biographies on startups and, and start to read those and really immerse myself into learning 
business, learning leadership, learning those important aspects of running a private practice group, which is something they don't really teach you in medical school. And I think that's where traditional medical education fails us is they don't teach you business. They don't teach you financial aspects of running your own practice, which a lot of people that graduate from medical school, they go on to be in their own practice, either as sole practitioners or as part of a larger group. I took it upon myself to learn those skills. And once I felt I was pretty confident and comfortable in what I had learned, I decided to put it to use. I started my own website back in 2016. And the whole concept of the website was to teach others in medical school or early on in their careers, finance and business, just really basic principles that I felt that were very simple to get across, but there was just no platform to get that information across to my fellow colleagues. Started that back in 2016 got it up and running, monetized it, had a positive cash flow situation. And then at that point, it's kind of a pivotal point for me in that we were starting a ketamine clinic with our anesthesia group. And at that same time, I had a group approach me to purchase that website. And people often ask, you know, why would I sell something that's cash flow positive? And the reason was it wasn't a passive work situation. It did take some active time to mold it and to grow it. And I got a good offer. To me, it was a time to put that behind me and start the next journey, which was starting up the Wellness Clinic of Orange County. So that's a a ketamine clinic that we started five years ago. And for those who are unfamiliar, ketamine has had a lot of traction in the scientific literature going back to the early 2000s and helping with treatment-resistant depression, treatment-resistant anxiety, treatment-resistant pain disorders. And we studied the science, we developed our own protocols, and we got that going about five years ago. And I was one of the founding members of that crew, and I was asked to be the CEO of the clinic, and I still serve in that role currently. I know I'm biased when I say this, but I think we're one of the most successful clinics probably in the world. And I could say that because outside of the United States, they're not that popular yet. They're gaining traction outside, and I think some regulatory issues are holding up some other countries. But we do thousands and thousands of infusions a year, treat many, many patients, mostly from our geographical area, but we also see patients from out of state, out of the country, fly into Orange County to receive their treatment here. So it's been a very, very successful venture, and we're still happily growing that footprint here in Orange County. But along the lines of reading and learning to get to that point and then taking that experience on as well, developed a lot of tools, a lot of experience with corporate structure, business law, accounting and finance, branding, marketing, growing a clinic from nothing to where we are, and then leadership as well. I think with all that behind me, I had the confidence and I had the note to, you know, when I saw my next problem to really be in a good place to go ahead and tackle it. And that's kind of where the Anesthesia Go platform came around. I saw a problem. I had moved myself up in the leadership ranks within my group to be in charge of making our daily clinical assignments. And the process that we used to do that was so outdated and so ancient that it was a huge problem. And my goal was to go out and tackle it. I'll pause there because I know I've been rambling a lot on the background there, but. No, that's great. And so in regards to the problem though, was this something that you always saw? Was it, and of course, you know, you always want to go a stress test in the marketplace. It can't just be an N of one, right? Is there an actual opportunity here to build product? Did you start talking to your colleagues, getting that feedback? And what was the response around what your thesis was? It was an obvious problem in my group. We'd had multiple 
anesthesiologists and my partners, great people, very smart people. They just had a hard time making daily assignments. The assignments would come out very, very late. There would be overlaps. There would be people scheduled to do cases they should not be scheduled to do. Anesthesiologists go into places that they're not credentialed to go to, which is a big no-no in medicine. That's kind of how I worked myself up into that role is they felt that I was a good person to tackle that responsibility. And once I saw how the process went down, I looked for a solution. And the problem is there hasn't been done yet. And I do want to take a step back. When we talk about anesthesia scheduling, I do think there's two major components. And when I talk to some groups, they'll say, oh, we'll use this for the problem you're trying to solve. And I don't think they're referring to the exact problem when we talk about that. So the two components I look at are monthly scheduling. And monthly scheduling is who's on call and who's working every day, who's on vacation every day. That's done a month, two months, three months in advance. And that's been done. There's many companies that do that. It's been done very well. And that's not what I'm trying to solve. I'm trying to solve the daily schedule, which is when you take who's working every day and you kind of merge that with what the cases are for the next day and making a better system to meld those two pieces together. And that's something that takes place every day before the next day's case assignments. And so the problem I disliked was at five o'clock, I would be in the OR and I'd literally be handed a stack of papers and a pencil. And the pencil had one of those old school erasers that kind of snap onto the pencil because it's common to have to write stuff down, erase it, write another name down. And when you're starting to puzzle everything together, it gets very, very sloppy. And the process of doing that was just so complex. And I compare it to like a Sudoku puzzle where you kind of have your foundational pieces that are locked in there and you kind of have to build around those foundational pieces. And fundamentally, it's not a huge challenge when you think about it. You're supposed to put a name next to every case and make sure that they're not in two places at once, make sure that they're qualified to do every case and make sure that they're credentialed to go to all those locations. And fundamentally, that's not too hard, but you start to throw in all these other components like who's on call should have the longest room. They should do the more complex cases. There's a lot of surgeon preference to who's in their room and almost as importantly, who is not in their room. There's just personality conflicts and this goes all across the country. And then we want to give the patient's ability to choose their anesthesiologist. If they've had good success or good experience in the past, we'd like them to be able to choose that same anesthesiologist again. So once we start puzzling all these different components into making the schedule together, it gets really, really messy when you start doing it by hand. And so very commonly, the schedule would go out 20 minutes later, you'd get a text that, hey, I'm double booked somewhere, or hey, I don't do nerve blocks, or hey, that's a pediatric patient. I don't really do pediatric patients. And then you're scrambling to correct it. And as you make the corrections, sometimes you're missing something else up that was a foundational piece in schedule making. And I did look for a solution at first. And that's kind of the most obvious step is see what's out there already and see if it's been done. And if it had been done, I don't think we'd be talking today. I think we would have just gone with the company that had already done it. And we'd be hopefully um, happy with that. But I couldn't find a solution. And this kind of goes back to I feel like we're always chasing the airline industry and they've almost set the standard for at least perioperative medicine in that you look at pre-flight checklists and we've mimicked our pre-surgical preoperative checklists after the airline industry. Same way with crisis management. That's a huge thing in our field and crisis management training comes from the airline industry. We just model it towards anesthesia care. And then this is something the airline industry has been automating their schedules and using 
advanced technology algorithms to make their flight schedules for quite some time now. And it's something that I think this is modern medicine being given a stack of papers and a pencil and scribbling names next to each individual case. It's just not a clean way to do things in 2021. You say the the cliche thing, there's got to be a better way. There wasn't a better way. So I sought out to develop a better way. And so in regards to that journey that you went on, Mike, because it's an important one, and especially for our aspiring entrepreneurs that tune into the podcast, is finding that opportunity to solve for a problem, right? As opposed to building something and go trying to find a home for it, which is exactly that you did, Mike. But in regards to the journey that you've been on with it, who has become kind of that target audience for this? Is this a pervasive problem across the entire industry? Is it specific to say Dr. Baselli and Dr. Bronson's practice? Is it for a larger health system? Who is that kind of quintessential target audience that you've seen so far? Great question. So when we did our market research, we looked at groups from the West Coast all the way over to the East Coast. And when we talked about the problem with doing this, they talked about the human error component. But the main focus with those conversations was how much time it took these groups to make the daily schedule. So locally, it would take us about 45 to 55 minutes each night to make a daily schedule. But if you look at some groups, there's a group in Boston who quoted us up to two hours a night to make their daily schedule. And they just had a much larger group than ours. But the larger the group, the more cases, the more complex it gets. They were the highest number that we had heard, but there are local groups in our area that were quoting us up to an hour and a half a night to make the daily schedule. We started to multiply that hour and a half, two hours times five days a week, times four weeks in a month. Physician time savings becomes a huge component of what we're trying to solve here. We're trying to give back time to the physicians and more importantly, give back time to the patients because the patients are getting the negative consequence of a distracted anesthesiologist and trying to multitask and make schedules and provide clinical care at the same time. Well, from my perspective, you know, that's exactly some of the things that we're working on at all. I've been working tirelessly to turn on the internet of healthcare for this nation, build the AI workforce for this industry. And it's to your point, right? We need to put leaders just like yourself at highest and best use. What in the heck do we have you guys spending an hour, two hours every day on scheduling? My goodness, this needs to be solved and this can be solved by technology, hence why you're building anesthesia go. But that, I couldn't agree more with you that let's leverage the tools to unleash human capacity. And as simple as it sounds, let's get you back to your kids to have that breakfast burrito earlier at night, right? Exactly. I took the idea to some friends and my friends up in Los Angeles, they own an IT firm and they're very knowledgeable with when it comes to AI and complex algorithms and computer programming. And I put together a pitch deck for them and sent them the idea and said, hey, what do you guys think of this? And luckily, they got back to me pretty quickly, said, hey, this can be done. Are you sure this hasn't been done before? And again, they went on their web searches and they found a bunch of companies that did anesthesia scheduling. And I had to point out all of those companies they found did the monthly scheduling very, very well, but neglected to look at the daily scheduling component. We put our heads together. We had many, many meetings and just building the foundations of the site and Part of that was we had the idea for five different components of an anesthesia suite of software products and automated scheduling was just the tip of the iceberg, just the first thing we wanted to tackle. But I wanted to build that, but have it be able to adapt as we added on other features for different parts of the anesthesia care. We spent a lot of time building the foundation and then it wasn't until about four or five months later, we actually got into the fun stuff of building the algorithms and making the computer make the assignments for us. We've gotten to a point where 
with the Anesthesia Go program, we import all of the cases from the next day. We import all of our personnel for the next day. We let the computer do everything for us. And so the computer will take your people, take your cases. It'll extract all the important information it needs to, to decide who should do which case and make the most optimal and most efficient schedule that it sees based on the information at hand. And it does that. That process is 10 seconds long. The import to final product is very, very quick. I do say that it's take five to 10 minutes a day still because there is a little bit of a human component that I didn't want to take out of the equation. I did ask for, you know, get us 95% of the way there and then give us a little bit of that human ability to make adjustments if we want to move things around or tweak things this way or that way. Someone had a hard day today, maybe give them a little bit more of an easy assignment tomorrow. And we do have the ability to make those human touches at the end, but the computer is very, very helpful in that if you try to move things around and start to put cases in lineups that they shouldn't be in, it'll alert you. It'll let you override it, but it'll tell you, hey, you shouldn't do this and this is why. Or, hey, you've now created an overlap here and this is a potential issue. Or, hey, there's not enough drive time to get from location A to location B. You may want to reconsider that. But again, the user has the ability to do what they want with what's exported out of the program. Well, one question I got to ask it, Mike. So, you know, one thing we hear time and again in the industry, and I fully agree with it, don't give our clinicians, don't give our healthcare workers yet another button to click, right? Burnouts at an all-time high. But what I'm hearing here, though, is just you are taking away the pencil, you're taking away the eraser to give them that easy button. Is that the case? How's the reception been with the technology in the hands of the end user, given how I just prefaced the question? The reception has been phenomenal. And people walk around. And one of the, the components we did not discuss yet is once the schedule is made, it gets distributed to the whole group. And so the whole group has now a color-coded map of everyone's day, in particular their day. And so my group members, of course, we piloted it at our group here first, are walking around. And if I ask them what their next case is, they pull up their phone, look at the PDF that I sent out the night before, that the program sent out the night before, and they know where to go. And so it's very humbling to see them walking around with Anesthesia Go on their phones or the printed copy of the Anesthesia Go schedule is what our board runners use to plan the day, to manage the day. The reception has been great. People are always asking for me to teach them how it works, to show them the analytics. And the analytics is a very cool feature where I can show people who's been at what locations the most, who's done the most nerve blocks, who's done the most pediatric cases. You know, I was just sitting down with my partners yesterday and we were looking over the graphs. And this is something we couldn't do before. If we wanted any kind of data, we'd have to get it from our billing company, which was like a one-week lag to get that data back. This is real-time information, easy to use. We made it as user-friendly as possible. So really, once you get the keys, you're ready to drive this thing. And that was going back to the foundation components that we wanted to put in, making it very user-friendly for really anyone to get their hands on and drive it. So exciting. Well, thank you for sharing that, Mike. And then in regards to where you see things heading, right? A lot has happened over the past, call it 15 plus months, and really seeing innovation being compressed and leveraged because of, well, the pandemic, right? And so I think that Genie is fortunately out of the bottle. I've been working in the innovation space for years, and this is our time to shine as innovators and disruptors and startups. So where do you see things heading, not just with Anesthesia Go, but with the industry writ large in regards to your colleagues, your peers around the country? Where do you see things heading? What do we need to be mindful of? Give us a little bit of that kind of future view of things. I do strongly believe that we're approaching a, what I call a generational pivot point in that you're starting to see your senior leaders 
currently start to turn over and your younger generation of leaders start to take their place. And this younger generation is looking for technology to make their days easier. And I think you're going to see people want to use technology, want to innovate with technology, want to make things as easy as it is to manage the non-clinical stuff. I think there's still that clinical aspect that you got to be very hands-on and maybe a little old school at times, but the non-clinical things and the way we can innovate with those, I think you're going to see a lot of people looking for technology as the younger generation goes into the leadership roles. I sometimes use the phrase that with this program, we've went from using the Thomas guy to the Tom Tom, and it's so hard to go back. And I think, I hope I didn't age myself too much by, by saying that, but I think you talk to people you know, in our generation, it'd be hard to go back to the Thomas guy to go on road trips and those things. And so it's very hard to go back. And I think people are looking for an easier solution using technology going forward. I couldn't agree more with you there as well, Mike. And now two things on this podcast first, breakfast burrito and a reference to the Tom Tom. So well done, my friend. We haven't talked Tom Tom. So there we go. That ice has been broken, but point absolutely taken. I hear you loud and clear in regards to how we can be helping though, right? Obviously an amazing community rallied around this podcast. Some of our brightest, most passionate minds in the healthcare industry tuning in. What is one problem, need, or question that you and the Anesthesia Go team have that we can be contemplating or helping you with? My focus right now is getting the word out. We're starting to do demos and there's been a lot of interest in larger academic centers because of the use with the educational experiences and in our management rotation. Getting the word out is the most helpful thing that can be done. And it doesn't need to be to anesthesiologists or anesthesia residents, but anyone really in the operative space, surgeons, OR managers, OR nurses, techs, they're all benefiting from better efficiency on our end. So just getting the word out is my big ask at this point. Well, in order to do that, we need to be able to find you online. How can we find you? How can we connect with you? Social media handles, websites, or otherwise, where do we get a hold of you? Yeah, so our website is anesthesiago.com. And then Twitter, we are anesthesia underscore go. On LinkedIn, we are anesthesia go. And then you could find me on LinkedIn at Michael Bronson MD. And then my email address is mike.bronson at anesthesiago.com. Easy enough. And to our community, you can simply scroll down into the episode notes. All those contact points will be listed. You can click on through to get a hold of Dr. Bronson and the Anesthesia Go team, as well as head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for this episode where all those contact points will be listed and an opportunity to leave comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise for Mike and his team, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Mike, thank you for sharing all of that, not only where you guys are currently at, but where you see things heading, because I couldn't agree more with you. We need to have these technologies and innovations seamlessly in place to continue to help give that time back and unleash the human potential that we all have. And also to get back to really what's important and most, and that's that direct patient experience with physicians and clinicians just like yourself. So again, thank you for being with us today. We have one more piece to close it out and we'll get you out of here. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because... I'm a passionate pioneer because I'm not afraid to take the next step to get a project launched. There you go. And you've done it several times now, right? You're finding that rinse and repeat. I love it. You're finding those opportunities to solve the problems that are needed in this space. So thank you for all of that. And so again, Mike, thank you for being with us today, spending some time. We look forward to continuing to follow the Anesthesia Go journey and all the wonderful work you and the team are up to. Again, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Mike.
Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 